back to Tuesday at Dobbs's. Change of scenery, Barcelona. Last week was Morocco. Since then, I've started making my way back. I've been riding for about four days now to get back. Barcelona here for three nights and then the final 1800 kilometer push back to England. I don't know if this is stupid, but I'm going to try and do that in two days. And the reason for it, I just want to spend as much time in Barcelona as possible because I love this city. Thank you everyone for the past week. Getting in touch, commenting, leaving your insights and opinions on everything that was discussed in last week's episode. Massive, massive apologies for not being able to or not replying to everyone, but I read every single comment and every single email that's sent and they're all hugely appreciated and read with genuine interest. If you do have a longer story with some pictures, hi at tuesdayatdobbs.com and I've got an Instagram page where I share some of your pictures of bikes and some other stories. And that is tuesday underscore at underscore Dobbs. We begin. Bike insurance. This, just hearing your opinions from last week, the huge range that people can pay for different bike insurance quotes, depending on the bike, geography, what country you live in, but also what specific city you live in within that country can make such a huge difference and it can massively dictate the kind of bike that you buy. Let me read out a few of your, your insights from Haxan initially. Freddie, I passed my test in 1991. About six years ago, I bought a Honda PCX125. That's the little scooter commuter to commute on. Uh, saving my Honda Shadow 1100 cruiser bike for recreational riding. Insurance for the 1100cc cruiser, 106 a year. The scooter, 125cc, 360 pounds a year. Move on to cold ride. Freddie, I'm in Canada. I would pay $900 per year if I had a Triumph Bonneville 900cc. I've been riding for 20 years with a clean record. Uh, cold ride. Ah, cold ride. Again, Freddie, you pay $50 a year for insurance, pounds, whatever. 50 a year. And then someone said, nope, mm -mm, that does not sound right. Surely it must be a month. Well, 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 let me just put this up here. My insurance, it's actually, I think, 59 pounds a year. 59, this is my insurance quote here. They found two cheap quotes. One I think was about 65 and the other was 59. So I'm paying for one year, third party fire, theft, business, 8,000 miles a year, 59 pounds, the entire year. No catches, no funny stuff at all. That is just the standard in the UK. Once you get past the first year in the UK, it's actually incredibly cheap to run a bike. It's, we've got it a lot better than some, definitely. I continue from Devil's Reject, insurance slash witchcraft. The more, ah, this is interesting. The more a model of bike is claimed against, crashed and stolen, the higher the risk to the insurer. So, obscure bikes can often be cheaper. Bikes that you would never often think about. Edgier bikes, for example. Sometimes a bike manufacturer comes out with a slightly funky or wacky or quirky design or a ludicrously big engine in a bike that's 
probably shouldn't have an engine like that. Sometimes those bikes that you wouldn't expect can actually be far cheaper for insurance. And I have found that as well. So I want to have a bit of fun here. I've shown you my insurance documents and now I want to just show you the difference in costs from different bikes. So I had a bit of research, a bit of fun here. I had a look at four different bikes just to see what the range would be like. And I mixed it up, slightly older bikes, newer bikes, incredibly premium and cheap. Let me start with the first one. It's a 2002 Indian Chief Bobber, 890cc, market value 19,500 pounds. Insurance for one year, and all of these insurance quotes are exactly the same. They're all fully comp insurance with 2,000 miles a year. Bear that in mind. I only did this so it's the same for every single bike here. £228. thought that was incredibly reasonable. If I would have put my old London address, now that could have been very different, but this is an Ipswich. It's very good value. I tried something else. 2018 Kawasaki Z1000R. It's five years old. It's got a retail value of £8,999. It is a complete beast. A massive bike, huge amounts of power, probably as big a hooligan machine as you could possibly imagine. Yet I was surprised with this. For me, of course, £151 for, for a premium. Thought that was extremely reasonable for such a, a high-powered bike. It must be my age and my amount of experience, because if you're younger, no hope with that. Let me do two final ones. I tried to think of, and it sounds almost bad because I like this bike, but I tried to think of the most boring bike I could think of, the Honda Deauville. 650cc, it's just a good, solid touring bike. Nothing remotely fancy about it and it is not the kind of bike that someone's going to want to steal and sell for a good profit because that is not going to happen. So it's perfect, surely, for a cheap premium. 2002 Honda Deauville, 650cc, worth £2,500, annual premium, £60. It's as good as I thought it would be. And let me do one final one. Yamaha NMAX 2017. Now this is, in London at least, a thieves bike of choice. They love stealing the NMAXs. Always, always the, the criminals, the bike thieves, they always like the NMAXs. Market value used from a 2017 model, 2,300 pounds. Premium, again, I was surprised, but bear in mind this is Ipswich, 69 pounds meaning that my Bonneville would slot in as the cheapest bike of the lot at £59, Yamaha NMAX in the middle, and there's not actually that big a difference. For me, for an older rider, or older rider, 13 years experience, it's not that much difference now. It just gets closer and closer the more experience you get and once you're out of London. These premiums, there is not a big difference now with my level of experience. Certainly, there's nothing there that would stop me buying a bike. You know, that premium extra for the Indian wouldn't stop me buying the Indian. Take that up to about one and a half grand as a premium for the Indian. Yeah, that would change things, but 228, no issue at all. I'll, I'll read one out from my dad here because this leads on to the next point. Freddie, thought this would interest you. Uh, with regards to trade-ins, I got over 2,000 pounds more 
selling my Audi privately and almost £3,000 more for selling the BMW privately in the same way than what dealers were offering. Uh, I didn't have the bad experience of, of one of your friends selling their motorbikes. Both times these were on Autotrader. My dad then sent me over uh, an article with regards to the most profitable vehicles that that dealers can make profit on. So a dealer will go, for example, to a car auction. What are the vehicles that they can make the most profit on? I found this quite interesting. Top of the list, Land Rovers, whether it's Range Rovers, etc., etc. You've got Land Rover right at the top, the average profit for sale that they will make, £3,300. Then you've got BMW, £2,700, Mercedes, £2,600, Audi, Volvo, Mini, etc., etc. Now, the pattern here, these are all premium expensive vehicles. So the profit for dealers selling secondhand is in... The more expensive, the more premium, the more profit there is for you. There's just a bigger gap, a bigger area to make a margin, to make your money on with regards to or in comparison to smaller vehicles. And the same is true for motorbikes. I said a couple of weeks ago, have a look at the, the Royal Enfield Interceptor. They almost don't depreciate. It's incredible. But does that leave us open? for the more expensive motorbikes to really find a bargain. The, they have further to fall. So if we're looking at a motorbike, for example, and it could be our dream bike, could have come out, let's say 2019, 2018, four or five years ago. And we look at it and we think, my God, one day I'd love to own that bike, but it is just too expensive. But this is where the magic is of buying used bikes because they have so, so far to fall. So I've tried to give you a little encouragement, a little excitement here, if you've ever been considering a more expensive bike and also a bit of fun. Here are a few bikes that have been and still are for sale now, hugely expensive. They've fallen a long way in the past four years or so. And they're all lovely bikes. BMW R18, this is BMW's cruiser bike. Right now, if you want it brand new, cheapest one, £17,480. But if you would go back just three years and buy a used one for 20, from 2020, £11,000 on the dot. So in just three years, you could be saving yourself £6,500. And £11,000 for an R18, that is coming into really tempting money. And surprisingly here, Harley-Davidson don't always get away with this. Harley-Davidson Road King, brand new, £24,600. Huge, huge money. You can get a four-year-old Harley-Davidson Road King, lovely looking condition, 15 k it means near enough you're saving £10,000 in getting one that's just four years old. I'm going to put another Harley Davidson in here, the Pan America, their adventure bike. Brand new £17,100, but you can get a two-year-old one, two years, that's it, under 10 k The Pan Americas have now tipped 
under the £10,000 mark. And that, that is tantalising, because that's a seriously good bike, and that is a really big drop over just two years. You're saving £7,000 if you're looking at a brand new one compared to just two years. I can't get over that. I move on. Kawasaki H2SX. This is a 200 horsepower bike, 1,000cc. If you want a brand new model of this, this is a serious bike, £24,600. It's exactly the same price as a Harley Road King new. Huge. 2018 model. If you're willing to go just five years old, £9,749. Meaning you could have saved yourself pretty much £15,000 in five years. Let me do two more. Suzuki Katana. Now these, I like these. It's, a, it's an 80s retro bike bringing back the Katana name. Lovely looking bike, but they did not sell at all. I think they're still for sale now. In fact, I'm sure they are, but they just did not sell. The public didn't want them and I don't know why. Brand new 12,300 pounds. You can get a four-year-old one for under half price, 6,000 pounds. And let me do the final one. And this is the most extreme. Yamaha, Nikon. I could have told Yamaha before they brought this out that this bike will not sell. It's £16,210. It's the bike, of course, with two wheels at the front. Serious bit of kit. I mean, this is an impressive feat of engineering. It's just, I don't know who would buy it. Scooter riders are not going to spend £16,000 on a scooter and motorcyclists probably won't see the appeal in switching to three wheels. So it's put in that funny position where it's really only for someone who wants it as a city commuter, but it's a huge amount of money for a city commuter. And a looker, it is not. So if you want to save a bit of money, get a three-year-old Yamaha Nikon. Instead of paying over 16,000, you will pay just 7,300, meaning you will save in the space of just three years, 9,000 pounds. There are savings out there still. I move on to Mark. Freddie, I'm 62 years old this year and I've been working on bikes and cars and trucks since I was 15 years old. The people I work with now are in their 20s and 30s and they have no idea when it comes to carbs and dynamo charging systems, let alone a mag. Uh, I'm embarrassed, well, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know what a mag is, and I don't think I know what a dynamo is either. I continue, so I'm lucky that I can fix anything if it goes wrong, but my skills will be lost as they are not passed on to the next generation. Mark, it's sad, but it's true, I know. Continuing from SJ, uh, Freddie had a couple of Enfield 500s and both have been smooth enough up to 70 miles an hour. I think it's about how they get run in and your luck of the motor. It's definitely worth shopping around when partexing a bike as I have been offered 2,800 pounds all the way up to £4,000 for my Royal Enfield when partexing for another bike. So contact a few companies which have the bike that you want. By the way, I actually chose to keep the Enfield in the end. 
very good tip because that difference, and bear in mind these are getting quotes from dealers, a difference of 1,200 pounds from dealer to dealer, huge difference you can make just by maybe shopping around for half an hour to an hour. I move on. 300, Freddie, 380,000 miles. Uh, doesn't surprise me for a big bike that's been well-maintained like that Honda Pan European. Regarding the Honda CL500, how about a Benelli Leoncino 500 Trail? I reckon it looks better and the engine is more tractable. Well, let's have a look at this. Okay, Benelli Leoncino 500 Trail. With regards to it being a competitor for the Honda CL500, okay, I'm on Benelli's website. And first of all, Benelli's website, it looks a little bit too much like a pharmaceutical company's website. They need some, they need some more passion in this website. Much, much more passion needed. A website's so important. It sells the dream of a bike. Like, just like a, a bike shop is important. I told you a few weeks ago when I went into a Honda dealership in Ipswich and it was so mind-blowingly depressing. I felt like I was in a morgue. Just rubbish-looking old white walls with five bikes just propped in there. God, I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. Then you go to Harley-Davidson, Royal Enfield. Triumph, but to a slightly lesser extent. Royal Enfield and Harley-Davidson, you walk into the dealerships, you desperately want a bike. It's hard leaving without buying a bike. It's so nice. And I'm on Benelli's website here. Where's the passion? That's all I want to know. Where's the passion? But I've got the Benelli Leoncino up here and you're, you're completely right. It's a lovely looking bike. £6,000 with some fairly tempting finance offers. Have a listen to this because this is tempting. Okay, I'll give you that. This is a tempting bike. £6,000 to buy. You can get it for monthly payments of £79 a month with uh, an optional final payment of £2,300, meaning you've got a total payable £7,400. Fixed rate of interest, 4.3%. I'd say that's actually fairly good. Yeah, I like it. Go and check that out if you're in the market for something like that. Good shout. I move on. Lucho, 1989. Freddie. It would be a nice idea to discuss earplugs and the topic of, in your podcast, quite a controversy among bikers. Here's a question for you all. Do you all wear earplugs? Have you all always worn earplugs? And what kind do you wear? I, I used to have the, the disposable ones that you roll up, put in your ear, and you get a big bag of about 100 of them. And they're fine, but I... I I found for one, it almost felt like a bit of a waste every time, you know, having, a, having to open a new little plastic packet, get a set of earplugs and then shut them after a day or two, get a new set. It almost felt too wasteful. And then at the end of every pack, I'd always go about a week or two without having any earplugs because I was too lazy to, <coughs> excuse me, too lazy to buy another pack. So I found this little company called Auratech. Let me put it up here. And I've been using these for about two years. And the reason they're good, they come in a little container that connects onto your keyring. So I just have it on my motorbike keys keyring so I never lose it. Just unscrew it, take out the two earplugs, put them in, completely washable, reusable. 
for me, it's a really good solution. Although I do hear more of the outside wind noise, bike noise than I did with those roll-up disposable earplugs. I'm still slightly open-minded to a potential better solution. So I would be interested to hear anyone else's opinions. I know there's a company in England, for example, they will actually do a molding of your ears. It's 300 or 200 pounds or so, so it's very expensive, but it's such a good molding of your ears, it will pretty much 100% protect them. And you can also get Bluetooth connectivity and also include speakers inside. So it's all completely integrated. So that looks good, but if anyone has any other tips or if anyone has gone completely deaf from not wearing earplugs, I'd love to hear from you. But those little ones from Auratech, I found uh, a pretty good solution. I, I do actually earplugs. I may be a bit, I don't know if blasé or, or overlooking biking safety sometimes. You know, in towns I won't wear biking gear, but earplugs, Unless it's anything more than about a 10 minute ride, I'll always put my earplugs in, especially as on my key ring, it makes it easy. Moving on to Cal. Okay, this is a challenge here. Cal, I spent some time on this. Freddie, I'll be sitting my direct access soon and I'll be looking to purchase a bigger bike. However, as I have a lot of things to save up for in the future, I don't want to commit a lot of money towards something I ride just as a weekend toy. I really like retro bikes and also modern classic bikes. However, recently I've been eyeing cruisers and adventure bikes too. If you could choose five bikes in those categories from Autotrader or Facebook with only a budget of 2,500 pounds, what would you choose? No superbikes. Trust myself, Cal. Cal, I like this. I like this a lot. This was a good challenge because initially I thought, Cal, two and a half grand. That's going to be tight to find a bike that's, that's desirable and cool and ticks the boxes and is just reliable enough, enough modernity to be used as a reliable machine. But I did it. And after I got into the swing of it, looking at the right places, looking at the right kinds of bikes, it was easier than I thought. I'll give you an example. I initially wanted to see if I could get you a Harley Davidson Sportster, an older one, but that's slightly too expensive and probably a bit too expensive to maintain. I then looked at some old Triumphs, but again, they're slightly too expensive. So then I narrowed it down. It, this has to be Japanese. And I found you five. Let me go to my desktop now because I've got all five there. I'm going to start Honda Shadow. This often comes up, but it just makes so much sense. This is a 600cc cruiser from Honda. This specific model is a 1996 one. It's listed at 2,600 pounds, so you can definitely get that within budget. They're a really nice, classic, elegant looking bike that will be, I'm sure, comfort for long di longer distances, nice, slim, lithe profile. So it'd be great for whizzing around town. It's Honda, so it'll be reliable. It's 2,600 pounds, so it is not going to drop a penny. And it's an elegant machine. You, get, you even get spoked wheels, V-twin engine, 
9,000 miles on the clock. You can't go wrong with that, two and a half K. I think that's fantastic. Next up, what do we have? Okay, this looks like the Kawasaki VN 2005 model. Now, interesting thing here. This was 4,000 pounds. The seller has recently reduced it to 3,000 pounds. It's got 57,000 miles on the clock and you may think, come on, the seller has just reduced from four to three K. He won't go anymore. Read the bottom, drop me an offer. I'll always answer politely and feel free to ask any questions. What we have here is a, a nice seller who is clearly keen to sell. We've got a bike that will go under the radar of most people with high mileage. And these, I really like. I would actually say these are slightly better looking than the Shadows. This is a really nice looking bike here. All in black, chrome headlamp, silver forks. It's even got a rear rest, backrest. That's a great looking thing. And I think, I think you can get lucky. I really do and get that for two and a half K. Put him a cheeky offer. He may not reply immediately. Give it a couple of days, give it a week, see if he comes back to you. That is worth a punt, Cal, 100%. Next. Oh, oh, I was so happy. Oh, Cal, I was so happy to get this within budget. If you don't get this, Cal, someone else will get this because this is a seriously good bike for the start of biking season. Kawasaki W650. 1999 model. I'm really excited about this. Now this bike initially was being sold at £3,200 and the seller, based in London, is now asking £2,600. He's dropped the price. Yes, it's a lovely looking bike. It looks brilliant. We know this about the W650. But here's the good thing about this, Cal. The seller is an Aussie and he wants to go back to Australia. So he needs to sell this bike. So He's done what I always do when I sell. He has shown his hand. You now know if you're contacting him. You've got a little bit of leeway to play with. 2,500, certainly. But could you get that for 2,400? And if that's possible, that is the bargain of the century. Here's a bike that in my eyes can only go up in price. I mean, it's even got, it's even got panniers. This is a stunningly good looking bike. Every bit as good looking as the Bonneville. It is beautiful and it's even got pea shooter exhaust, spoke trims, rubber gaiters on the forks. The definition of elegance. Someone will grab this within three days, I guarantee it, because this is way, way too good to miss. Way too good. This is the, the find of the month, without question. Final two. I've gone for adventure one here, Cal. And this is so easily in budget, this one. 2006, I always say it, I know, but I love them. Honda Transup 650, 15,000 miles on the clock. And it's 2,300 pounds. Again, this, this will be snapped up. It's, these are all from private sellers. That's where you get the bargains. Now, the good thing about this is 2,300 pounds and you get the top box. Give the seller 2,600 pounds and he'll also include both panniers, left and right. And I love the pictures. The bike looks beautifully clean. He's taking some nice pics of it. 
It's a seriously smart looking bike. I love those high exhausts just sitting above the, the spoked wheels. It's an elegant bike. It's not going to drop in value at all. I think they're really nice looking bikes. It's just had an MOT. No advisories on the MOT. Nothing wrong with it at all. Loads of service history. Bike runs great. No issues at all. Has a few age related marks, but that's it. It's even, it even comes with a toolkit. Two keys. New chain. The things you can get for your money. This is why biking is so incredible. You can get your own freedom machine to go anywhere in the world. Any one of these bikes you can travel the world on. And they're two and a half grand. The final one. I actually didn't look for one of these because I didn't think I'd get one in budget. Again, I think this will sell very quickly, so be quick if you're keen. It's Royal Enfield, Himalayan. It's, it's a retro looking bike and it's also an adventure bike. It ticks both boxes and it also comes with panniers, Cal. So you can be completely kitted out. And I have never had more fun on two bikes in my life, off-roading, Himalayan and a Mutt Mastiff. Those two bikes have been the most fun off-roading ever. This is a really, really special bike. I'm a colossal fan of the Himalayans. This exact model is, do, 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 two, I think, in fact, I've just lost where I put the price. I think it's £2,695, if I remember correctly. Reading from the seller, 10,000 miles on the clock, excellent condition for the year, new brakes, recent chain, sprockets, tyres, comfy seat, factory panniers, service history, MOT till Jan 2024, needs nothing Grab it. Oh, Cal, this is tough. I don't know what I'd go for. If you put me on the spot here, out of these five bikes, I would go for, honestly, hand on heart, it would be between the Kawasaki Z6 and Kawasaki W650, Transalp, and the Himalayan. It's so tight, I don't know what to say. W650. It's, that's what I go for, I think. But those other two are so tempting. I think I've done an amazing job with that. Kyle, good luck. Let me know what you go for. I move on. Freddie, given the epic journey you're on, proving you don't need a big sports tourer for long distance travel, just your willingness to get up and go. Why aren't motorcycle manufacturers making larger fuel tanks on the smaller capacity bikes, which seem to be getting more and more popular? I've got a 2019 Moto Guzzi V7, and it constantly gives me a minimum of 200 miles in a full tank, and that's riding normally and not saving fuel. The most I've got so far is 220 miles until the light came on, and there's probably another 30 to 50 miles in the tank. How did the Triumph do? Dale, it's a really good point you make here, because this is, for me, one of the negatives about the Bonneville and a few of the Triumphs, because my Bonneville low, low fuel light comes on at about 130 miles. And it would make such a huge difference if that could just be up to 200 miles. For example, the Royal Enfield Classic 350. Someone tell me if I'm wrong here, but I'm sure that will do comfortably 240 miles on a tank, 250. Someone let me know if I'm wrong on that, but I'm sure I remember that. The Royal Enfield Himalayan, again, I think they'll do 260 miles on a tank. But I had the, the Triumph Speedmaster on test. 
probably about two years ago. The fuel light, I think, on that came on at 100 miles or so. Tiny, really. I know some of the Harley Sportsters, the fuel light or the tank, will do 70 to 80 miles per tank. It's just too small. Either make the tank a bit bigger or make it a bit more economical. I know that's easier said than done, but Dale, I'm with you. I really think bikes should have, unless you've got some super sports bike where the weight needs to stay down, I really think 200 miles minimum for a tank is what's needed. And that Speedmaster, it would be a genuine cause for concern if I were to buy one. That is very possibly my dream bike, the Speedmaster 1200. But the low fuel range is a slight issue. I don't think it's a deal breaker, but it's a slight issue. So I think manufacturers should be getting this up to 200 miles as a range. And that V7 is seriously impressive, Dale. I didn't know that. 220 miles. Yeah, thanks for the heads up on that. Let me move on to the last one. A little tip here from Jason. Freddie, in my opinion, ex-police motorbikes are not going to provide much, uh, they're not gonna provide much character or love, but I did have a thought the other day. I like naked style classics like the Triumph T120, but I do also see the benefit in a fully fared, panniered, comfortable tourer, and especially in terms of day-to-day -day use. I appreciate that everyone has a different amount of disposable income, but for a few thousand pounds you can get, for example, BMW R200RT 2014 model. Let me just carry on reading this. 2014 model, 24,000 miles on the clock, or a, or a BMW F800 GT with 40,000 miles on the clock. Crash protection. Slim panniers to aid filtering and a top box. It seems ideal as a second bike and a do-it-all bike for longer distances, British weathers, British weather, winter hacks, and a commuter bike. Now I know from my previous career as a cop that these things do not get the same level as abuse, uh, do not get the same level of abuse as ex-police cars do, which is why I would stay clear of the cars on that note. This isn't something I've actually done, so I can't speak from experience, but I am considering as my cover all bases, uh, at, to cover all of my bases as a winter hack. Also, nobody is lifting an R1200 RT into the back of their van. It seems like a perfect contract or contrast to my nimble and good looking modern classic, Jason. Let me put this up here, the BMW F800 GT. And of course, police bikes will be immaculately maintained. 3,000 pounds, and it's only 2015, 2015, 2016 model. 41,000 miles, but immaculately maintained, and it's a smart looking thing. Jason's a very good shout. And I'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. Please do carry on getting involved, sharing your opinions, your thoughts. It's all gigantically appreciated. Have a fantastic week all. Speak to you all in the next one.